that was churches with a V, which I imagine is because someone else came up with the churches. Uh, covering Arctic Monkeys, I think the song is Don't Want to Know or Do I Want to Know? I think it's Do I Want to Know. I am now here with Maya. Hello, Maya. Hello, Steph. Stefan. Uh, and she knows things about agriculture. So I'm going to ask her things about agriculture. And the first one is... Uh, well, actually, I, should, I, I feel like I should actually go into your actual background in agriculture, because just saying this is my <laughs> agriculture, it's not nearly enough. Vague. It's a little vague. You went to school for agriculture, yes? I went to school for food systems, yeah. Food systems, there we go. Excellent. Um, and, you, you, and you've been studying it sort of after school as well, to some degree. Yeah. Excellent. Informally. Informally, Un- informally yes. But uh, that's, that's, it, that's, that's what we do. Informal studying is as good as formal studying. Okay, so the first thing is that we were talking a couple days ago, and you were saying that food banks don't really work, or at least don't work as well as people would like them to? Yeah. I guess it. It's if you're looking at what a food bank is trying to do, in that there are hungry people, they don't have food, and so the food bank literally just gives them food. It solves that problem. But if you look at the bigger system of why they don't have money to buy that food, then it doesn't really do anything to target any of the bigger issues. And um, so that's like the big, that's like the big issue. And then it also, there are issues with it creates, it just creates more dependency. And, and then there's also a thing about, there's like some movements that are talking, you've, Everyone's heard of social justice, mm-hmm. um, but there's another thing called food justice, and it's that is it really just to give people, to give people who can't afford to buy food other people's food garbage, mm. just because they can't afford to buy food, is it right to give them like that can that's been sitting on your shelf for however many years, and you just you know give yourself a pat on the back because you donated a can of whatever. Um, and then someone, someone has to get that and it doesn't address like you, or I'm saying you, but I mean, people who are allowed to buy food, people who can afford to buy food can buy food that they like. And it's the sort of, there's an attitude, there can be an attitude in food banks that's, um, just because you, like beggars can't be choosers, right? which in something, in a practice that you do every day. Ideally, three times a day, which is often a stretch with what you get from food banks. Um, that's the that's the idea, but like a but a practice that you do so often, it's quite degrading hmm. it, to feel like you have no choice that you're just getting the you know the scraps off someone's table. Exactly, and it's sort of become a business, hmm. and set like that food banks. Food banks, I don't really understand this relationship very well, but there is some sort of relationship between the big food companies and the food banks in that the big food companies can promote their label by saying that they are conscious, socially conscious, and, you know, like, do-gooders by giving donations of food. Mm -hmm. And food banks then have to sort of play up the big food industry, the big food Mm -hmm. guy. They can't. They have less of a stand to say, like, oh, well, maybe, you know, that's not actually working what you're doing. Because so much of the food that they get, the the food that they receive and that they're able to distribute comes from the food companies that are sort of creating the system, working toward, I can't say, I shouldn't say creating, but Mm. at least facilitating the system of inequality. It gives them less, it gives the food banks, and because the food banks are so loud, it gives the food Movement sector movement mm-hmm. less leverage oh, because they're so de- in, they're so dependent. Ah, because I guess food banks are are probably the most visible form of the quote unquote food movement mm-hmm. often, and so that them being around or them being sort of in the pocket of uh, big food because of the fact that they need the food to continue being a food bank. Exactly, can, they can mean they can't say anything. Mm-hmm. Innocent. And I should have started by saying that food banks started as a Band-Aid. They started as a quick fix. Mm. They started as, I forget where, but the government said, you know, I think it was during the Great Depression or a later... Problem. A later depression. depression, (laughs) A less Great Depression. (laughs) um, That the government was like, whoa, we have so many people who need food. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have these centers. They're going to give out food until we can 
fix the problem. Hmm. And then, and then they were like, they, it just, the problem never got fixed. And it slowly got forgotten that these food banks were supposed to just sort of move in and out, um, until they, they got in, they got institutionalized. And so that's also like, they are not, their foundation is not in a problem solving Mm. manner. That's not part of their mandate. Their mandate, they've always been just, you don't have food on your plate right now. I'm going to give you food. And recent, recently, um, in the UK, they have these things called, I forget, they're like no heat parcels or there's called like to heat or to heat or eat the issue. Um, and it's that a lot, a lot of people, many people who can't afford to buy food and who are visitors to the food banks have to choose between paying their electricity bills for heating or for, for cooking. Right. So they've developed these new parcels that don't require any heating. So these, the people aren't getting rice, they're not getting pasta, they're not getting any fresh produce that they would normally get. Um, all of the nutritional standards that the food banks try to uphold themselves to are just admittedly the food banks say these aren't up to our standards, but we're giving them bread and peanut butter. And then there are, and think like, like ramen noodles or whatever, things that just need hot water. And then people even stopped, started asking, like, we, we can't heat up water. <laughs> so they have other ones that are, it's, it's so devastating to think that these food banks have been around for so long and, we're only adapting the type of food that we're giving out. And the problem is obviously only getting worse. And the mm. problem is obviously not going away. But it's hard to tell someone who works in a food bank, you know, you're part of the problem or you're not making it part of the problem is kind of strong, right. but you're, you're not really helping. Right. And so it's very, it's a very touchy issue. Mm. I guess similar to the, like often in development studies, you see a lot of like, you know, mm. you come across people who are like, I just, I, I want to, go to Africa and just give them things. And then most people in development studies are like, that's not really how that doesn't really work so well. That's that's yeah. that's not a great idea. Maybe we shouldn't just do that. Exactly. Okay. It's like it's not that they don't have shoes because there are no shoes in in, in Africa. This, <laughs> this, this monolithic being yeah. exactly yeah it's the important part of this is that there's no actual countries in Africa. Yeah. It's one country. Mm-hmm. And so, it gets shoes. And also your old stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or like the wrong Super Bowl championship shirts. Which apparently it doesn't actually happen. I hear. Mm. Or it doesn't happen nearly as much as you think. It was it was all due to one thing and then there's and there's been a whole thing afterwards. Hmm. Yeah. Uh well, I, then I have I have a follow-up question. Alright. If food banks aren't the solution, what is? Who? <laughs> <laughs> um Maya's thoughts on how to save the world. Um, yes. We do this well. every week, so <laughs> just join the club. <laughs> Blatantly just say things will solve everything, and then no one follows up, so it's okay. Um, okay, <laughs> as long as I don't have to do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so I think, okay, well... <sighs> Overwhelming. Um, well, I think also, you know, that's sort of the thing, is to look at the solution. Right. It's just like... Okay. A recipe for disaster. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Touche. Many so. throw much in my face. But all right. Hit me anyways. <laughs> um, so, but examples of alternative solutions mm. um, are community food centers. There's one in Toronto called. <laughs> I love this place. I will always cheer for it. Um, it's called the Stop. Oh, okay. Um, and it serves the Davenport West community, and they are the ones that host the Wishwood Barns oh. Farmers Market. Oh, cool. So they they started out as a food bank until one of their the new the I guess thirty years ago someone else became in charge of it and was like, Hey, you know what? Like this isn't really doing what we thought it was doing. So they they now have education. Um so they have cooking classes that for you know, for nutrition for new mothers or pregnant mothers or men's groups who because um I grew up really fortunate in that cooking was always a big part in my household. And like my first year in university, I cooked all my meals and I've been cooking. I've just always been cooking. Um, and it didn't, it didn't occur to me that 
part of the issue is that people are dependent on processed foods and fast foods because they can't cook. Mm -hmm. So they, they fix that. And being able to cook your own meal and like knowing, you know, joining a class of people in similar situation as you are was empowering. And so more people were signing up and they have a community garden. They have many community gardens, I think. Um, it, their focus is on, it's not about, oh, we have a garden, so now we're just going to feed everybody. Right. It's that they're empowering the marginalized, impoverished community that felt like they didn't have a voice, that felt like no one cared about them, and that they didn't know how to do these things because they could never know how to do these mm. things. Um, um, and they, the Stop Community Center listened to what the needs and the wants of the community members were, and they sort of tailored it. So, um, yeah, so it was just, like, it empowered them. And now, now many community members, I think 64% of the community, of the volunteers are community members, are people who receive services from them. Oh, well. So instead of just, you know, being someone who's always taking handouts, they, they're giving back. Hmm. Another solution is fixing, like, I don't know, the fact that, Oh my goodness. It's basically everything about the food system now <laughs> needs to be revamped. Okay. To start. That's to start. All right. And then... And can you, can you <laughs> give a quick overview of what that means? Um, the most pervasive issues. Oh. Okay. Well, or maybe the most... Or maybe the issues that people would least know about. If um, that's easier or harder. I'll just say what first comes to my mind. That's what we usually do. <laughs> You're following, you figure out this podcasting thing very quickly. <laughs> Solve the world in 12 words or less, and then to say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. These are the two things you do. <laughs> Sweet. Um, grocery stores. There four main grocery stores sell most of the food that moves through Canada. And the numbers are similar for the states, too. But I think it's that, I think 80% of what you, 80, 80, 70 to 90% of what you see in a grocery store Mm. comes from, I think, 15 companies. So it's like, it's huge consolidation of, of what feeds us. Um, and that consolidation is happening from the grocery stores, the grocery stores that there's only four main ones. And then the companies that supply these grocery stores and the farms that have been growing in size. So you have fewer farms that are now bigger um, using that have that have had to adopt ways of like unsustainable chemical. All those you know, all the like big bad things you hear about <laughs> agriculture. Mm-hmm. Those standard ones often come up um, when you have to expand to such great things, and even down to the genetics. Like three to four seed companies own most of seed genetics, just like. It's just crazy to think that that they own life, right? Um, is it are those are the are seed are, when you say seed genetics? Is that specific? Is that all seeds, or is that just specifically modified seeds that most people use? It's specifically modified seeds that most people use. Hmm. Um, but what? And this stuff, I'm not particularly clear. And um, again, that's basically what we do here. Not particularly clear should be the motto of this podcast. So, again, you're, you're right in line. <laughs> um, is that I've heard Vandana Shiva is a great activist um, hmm. for food in India and, and around the world, but she's from India. And there, there are just so many stories of, you know, there was this trait, there was this trait that comes from a gene in a plant native to a place in India. And they've been farming this and they've been, you know, the people who know this trait have been using it to their advantage for years and years and years. And then one seed company comes in and says, they take a sample of it and they say, okay, now we own that trait. All of you guys who are using this seed that you've been using forever that has our gene in it Mm. are now pay up or stop using it. Right. And so it's like... That happens to the seeds like corn and soy and wheat and all the ones that are sort of we're sort of familiar with, but it's also happening that 
I mean, when you grow, anything you grow on large scale, you want controllability. And you want, it's the opposite of variability. Maybe I'm just thinking you don't want variability. Right. You want to be the same. You want to be the same. same. Everything You want a monoculture. Yeah. Um, But down, not even to you, like a monoculture is like a field of carrots. Right. But you want every carrot to come out the same. Mm. Um, Because grocery stores have these specifications, like we won't take carrots that are thinner than an inch at the base and right, I was I was listening to something. Uh, sorry, just, yeah, but I was I was listening to something at the at this conference that I went to. There was someone saying that they made all of the, they made. Oh, you know, it was the German activists. It was a huge German movement uh, for basically for local farming and stuff. And they they served cool. this huge meal, and all the food they served in this meal was with things that were either too small or too big for grocery stores. Yeah, like um, yeah, it's crazy. So <laughs> apple bananas have to be a certain curvature. If they're too curved, they're no good. Um, I was at a banana plantation several months ago. Like, I guess, oh my god, a year ago. Uh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and they had they had all these boxes of bananas that we saw them packaging of, you know, different quality or different blemishes, different sizes, and they were first grade. They were all first grade, but just depended on where they were going. So, like, all the ones to the States were first grade when they were, like, really long and mostly straight and no blemishes. And the ones going to Europe could be, like, a little smaller and, like, had a few spots. And those were first grade in Europe. And it's just, like, it's just what this symbiosis of, like, of grocery stores and the consumer, what mm-hmm. we've, like, sort of, you know, they think we want this, and then we sort of amplify it, and they amplify it, and so it's come to, like, tomatoes have to be a certain stackability, and, <laughs> like, now there's um there's a thing that, speaking of nothing and everything, they're trying, I say they, the big bad seed companies, <laughs> um, the multinational seed right. companies, I forget who it, I don't even know who it is, they want to put in a apple, a genetically modified apple, that will not brown when you cut it. So, there's a there's a huge campaign. I for I think it's C Ban C B A N something Active Network <laughs> something 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 something. Right. Um, and they're doing a huge campaign about mm. stopping grocery stores from telling grocery stores you don't want to see this. Mm. But, um, but like everything you see in grocery, it sort of goes. It's sort of the next. It's the predictable next step. Right. That the consumer is telling the grocery store, and it's this like this feedback relationship mm. that we don't want anything flawed. We don't want anything blemished. If it's blemished, it must be a quality thing, even though right. it's not necessarily quality. It doesn't necessarily indicate bad, poor quality, mm. and it's just like it's getting out of control. Mm. I don't even remember what we started talking about. We were talking about uh, the problems of the food system. Oh, right. Which was a pretty large topic. So, in your complete <laughs> defense, there's absolutely no reason why you should have been able to keep that one as a as a, as a straight thought. <laughs> Um, no, that works. The so okay, I have another question, which since we already solved, since we already solved the food system problem, oh, I'm so relieved. Um, yeah, exactly, right? We're here. Oh, so good. Unless you have any other, unless you have other big reasons uh, why uh, food banks aren't necessary, um, or food bank, what well, big ways to make food banks no longer necessary? I guess. No, I think we solved it. We solved it with yeah. with the grocery stores and, mm-hmm. the, and no longer the low missions. Okay, uh, so so the other thing that really surprised me actually from the conference was at the end of the conference. The last the last little talk was all about basically basically they had a panel of experts. They had they, they had a whole bunch of guys. One they had a farmer. They had the guy from Slow Money. They had a couple other people, and they had a whole bunch of people asking random questions. And sweet, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, which of course meant you got a couple of weird questions. And one of the weird questions was whether or not we should be concerned about our food systems because of Fukushima or something. And like, and basically it was funny, the guy's response, the the first guy's response was basically, uh, why worry about like the small amounts of radiation that might be in your food when literally half what we eat is we know gives us cancer. (laughs) <laughs> like it was well, sort of like that's funny and so sad. <laughs> yeah, and, and he went on to say basically that um, it was interesting because we're at an organics conference. Like this is an organics conference, but he went on to basically say that it was in his mind it was much much more important to understand the idea of whole foods and sort of cooking for yourself mm. than it was to even eat organic. And he and, and he, mm-hmm. he went on to sort of say things that's like yeah he 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 you know, he goes on to say things like you can get organic KD. 
And he's just like, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> was basically his stance. Um, and then he went on to say basically that the idea that, along with that being ridiculous, that cutting out sugar and salt were the most important thing you could do if you're really worried about your health. And before organics and for anything, basically, like just under, basically his thought was understand the whole foods, you know, cooking with, also, I don't know what whole foods means. Do you know what whole foods means? Whole foods is like, instead of, it's like the broccoli, the potato. Okay. You start with the food instead of a box that has. Okay. So it's not processed food. Mm-hmm, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. So basically his idea was that it was more like important. Whole foods. It right. sounds, you know. But everyone just relates it to the store whole foods now, <laughs> yeah. which is a whole different thing. Yeah. Not um, the. Not the picture of food system equality. No, perfection. not exactly. Uh, but okay, so, so basically, his his thought, and I want to get your opinion on his thought, was that it was more important to eat whole foods and cook yourself than it was to eat organic. How do you feel about this? I think that has definitely has its worth, has its merit. I think it definitely depends on more important. It's it's the the question that you're asking. Mm-hmm. So this guy was asking about radiation and right. about our health. Right. So I think in terms of health, mm-hmm. it's funny, I've never heard that comparison, but in terms of health, I would say I would probably agree mm. in, in 12 seconds. Right. Um, I would agree that knowing what food you're putting in your body, and you can only really know that by making it yourself, mm. because there are crazy things in <laughs> Like, there is sugar in our salt. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so Is it really sugar in our salt? Yeah, there's, okay. in, like, table salt, there's, like, sucrose. Okay. Yeah. The, I did not know this. <laughs> I only knew it because because someone looked at a box, but it's, like, it's the questions that you wouldn't even think to ask. Like, is there sugar in my salad dressing? Mm. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, there are things that you wouldn't even think of and that you can only really know what's in your food if you make it. Mm. I sound like this crazy conspiracist, but it's, like... It's one of the things that's actually actually true. <laughs> right. There was a long thing about reading the back of the labels and sort of what they have to say, what they don't mm-hmm. have to disclose and do disclose. Like, apparently in Canada, you don't have to disclose what is in your coloring. You can just call it color. Hmm. Whereas in the States, you have to say what's in your coloring. Which but then you're not going to understand what's in your coloring. Oh, no. So it doesn't make any difference. No, exactly. Yeah. There's like yeah. 7,000 weird words. Yeah. And in one of my classes, for fruit juices, you can... And it's difficult to make your own fruit juice, mm-hmm. but... You can only put on the picture what's, like, actually part of the juice. Mm. So if it has, like, if it's, like, apple juice or one of those, like, f- fun blends, mm-hmm. you can't put anything that's not, like, most of it. Okay. It can say, if it says, like, apple slash pear and or slash <laughs> orange and or slash whatever, and you don't see those word those fruits on the image... Mm-hmm. What that means, and then it says like juice concentrates or something. Right, right. And what they've done is they've taken the juice, they've, I don't know, boiled it off, collected the sugar, bleached it so that it's not colored, and just used the sugar. So it says, it comes on the label as like apple and or pear and or peach and or health in slashes and things, um, and it's just, it's entirely sugar. You can't see this in the podcast, people, but my face dropped there. <laughs> I was genuinely surprised. It's genuinely surprising. Like, and these are things, these are things that, I mean, this is like a miraculous, that is probably the one thing I remembered from that class that I took. <laughs> but, um, but like, how are you supposed to know that? Yeah. So, I don't know. So it's just like, in terms of your health, and it also makes a huge impact on the, it is a huge food system impact. Right. Like, it's a way to reduce your ecological footprint because... By making your own juice, you mean? Yeah, by making your own food mm. because each step in that ingredient list, if you're reading a package label or something, mm. had to go somewhere. Right. So it's probably the sugar from one part of the world and the wheat from another and it may have gotten milled in a separate place and then came together and, you know, like things can be came together and then shipped and then so it's like all these things from nowhere near each other and every step along it's not even that you know these tomatoes are from mexico and the sugar is from brazil and now they're in tomato sauce it's like no part of the tomato sauce making process was done in the same place (laughs) most likely right and like if it says if it says made in canada then which is something i didn't know until i went to the ewb conference in Mm. january but if it's made in Canada, you can bring tomatoes from Mexico, 
sugar from Brazil, as long as it's processed in a Canadian facility, then it's made in Canada. And unless it says product of Canada, then you know everything in it is from Canada. Oh, so the word is it, the, different, the difference is product v made? Yeah. But like... Who would know that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, if you make your own food, like the broccoli is where... Broccoli is the broccoli. Right. The it might have been it might have been flown here from thing, but at least you know it's yeah. it's broccoli, and you're going to make it here. It's not mm-hmm. going to you're not going to fly to China yeah. to cook it and then bring it back. Exactly. <laughs> it's probably trapped, but yeah. <laughs> they don't. I don't think they fly food. Oh yeah, it's true. But um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. In in line of those weird uh, like funny things about labeling things and stuff. One of the talks was all about this. Basically, one of the talks was like basically it was all about reading your labels and knowing in alternatives and stuff like that. So I will talk about it. Um, and one of the things he showed during this talk was a Kellogg's bar that was like a strawberry bar. Okay. And it was, like a, it was like a strawberry <laughs> Kellogg's bar, and it had no strawberries in it. <laughs> it had it had cranberries because it said like made with real berries. Oh my goodness. But it had cranberries in it, and it had like strawberry flavoring. But there wasn't actually a single, and they had a strawberries on, they had a picture of strawberry on the box. Right. But they had absolutely no actual strawberries in the thing. That's, yeah. It was just like, you know, it was just like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And the thing is, is that the more you study food, like, the more you get into what's in your food and where your food comes from, all these things become, like, like that is surprising to me, mm. but it makes so much sense. Right. And so then when I try to tell, like, I'm like, don't believe what's on the label. Like, it mm. says natural, but that doesn't mean anything. Or right. it'll say whatever, and, like, oh, don't trust it. Mm. And you sound like a crazy person until until you actually read. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, like, I spent... <laughs> you get into it, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, natural doesn't mean anything. No. Yeah. Another, one of the other guys who was in the conference was talking about how um, you want to make anything you want by organic, you want to be sure it's certified organic by somebody. Because you can you can do things like you can have 1% of something that's organic mm-hmm. and 39% of something that's not organic, and you can say made with organic stuff. Because you're not lying. Right. And but, Which is why the certification is so important. Yeah. I think certification, if it's a product, like especially if it's a processed product, mm. like tomato sauce, I think it has to be 70% organic. Mm. 70, the materials have to be 70% organic mm. um, in order for it to be certified. Right. Or something. A significant percentage. Right, a percentage, yeah. Again, no one fact checks us. This is the key of having a, of, of, of a, a podcast where only 25 people listen to it, <laughs> is that none of these 25 people are going to go fact check the number you just said. All the percentages I had to memorize for yeah. those seemingly meaningless tests yeah, are, are remain meaningless, really, <laughs> yeah. is the point here. <laughs> But I remember the first time, the first thing that I was always alerted to in that sort of like reading labels thing um, was always that almost every juice is really just apple juice. <laughs> like if you look at things, like every, like 80% of the, like it doesn't matter what kind of cocktail or other juice it says right. it is, it's like that will be there, but it's like, it's still 80% apple juice. apple juice. Yeah. That's funny. I guess, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very different thing. So to get back to the question. You would say, uh, so for health reasons, you said, so you're saying, so for, for, for nutrition reasons, cooking your food is better. Mm-hmm. Would you say for health reasons, organic is better? Or for, um, sorry, for, sorry, for not for health reasons, for like system wide stability reasons? I think that's a difficult, that's the difficult question mm. in that I, I think when you say, when, not you, but when well, these like, types of questions are posed, mm. um, it, people sort of become dogmatic. They mm. can become dogmatic if, you know, if you hear someone say, if, if at this question, if at the, the answer to his question had been, yes, organic is better, mm. um, and people who are really eager to create change in their life and their community, they'll go and they, if it's not really explained more than that, mm. people can become dogmatic and they'll like, they'll only buy organic and, you know, but it can be hard to do and it can be expensive to do. And I think people should do whatever they, whatever they can and like make little steps. So if, you know, if you are always, if you know that you are not going to make your own tomato sauce, like (laughs) there is no way that's going to happen. Like there you could buy organic Mm. and, and that's, and that's great. And, but like, if you always eat out and you're always going to a restaurant or a fast food and something that your food comes in packaging, probably a lot of the food 
in the kitchen was thrown out. If you don't finish your meal, that gets thrown out. If you can do that maybe once less a week or twice less a week and make your own food, that makes a big difference. And it doesn't have to be that you always have to make your own food or that you always have to buy organic, but that you're conscious of the decision that you're making. Mm. Um, so you're saying it's a nuanced issue, which is difficult to... This, <laughs> this, is, this seems ridiculous. I don't... I don't <laughs> On the first person who's ever said yeah, this. I don't I understand. A it's, it's a nuanced issue in which you should try to do your best and know and really think about what you're doing, is what you're saying. Yes. Mm. But that being said, right. back to the certified organic thing, right. is that if you're buying it from a farmer... If you're buying in the grocery store, I would say buy organic. Mm. It's super... If it's in a grocery store and it doesn't say organic, you can be with 99% confidence that it is sprayed, monoculture, whatever. Mm. Probably shipped from... Or shipped or trucked from somewhere. Right. Um, but if you're at a farmer's market, if you have the ability to go to a farmer's market and you can talk to a farmer... So this is where organic also becomes dogmatic because mm. you can go to... It's, a, it's expensive... It's expensive for you to buy organic, mm. and it's expensive um, to be a certified organic farmer. Mm. So I think it costs $3,000 a year, mm. and it's tons of paperwork. So it's just a lot of work. <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So some farmers don't... It's not worth it for them to be certified organic, but they do all the same practices just without the label. Mm. So if you, So that's when you don't have to buy certified organic. You can buy... If you can talk to the farmer and ask questions about what meat something to you or whatever then. But yeah, but organic makes a huge difference in mm. footprint-wise. Okay. Um, but another thing that makes a difference that nobody asked me about <laughs> um, is I was talking to my mom about this and that she was saying, she was, you know, she was saying, I want to eat this much meat a week. Mm -hmm. This is how much I want to eat. This mm -hmm. is how much I've, you know, it's less than I used to eat, but it's how much I want to eat. Uh, and like, if that's, you... <laughs> that's the funniest thing anyone has ever... I, I like the idea that she's just like, I want it like, it's like, I want four pounds of meat. This is this is my meat week consumption. This idea. is what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and she was saying that, you know, you want me to buy organic meat, but mm. that's that costs me a lot of money. Mm. And so, in terms of that, it's incorporating flexibility. Mm. That like, and it's hard because these are our practices. These are what, you know, we've ingrained in us, family, society, whatever, cultural, whatever it is that is making us, um, has led us to make the choices that we're making. But knowing that if my mom wants to eat this much meat, but she doesn't want to spend more than this amount of money, mm. she's going to have to eat less meat. Ah. Like, so it's not that you can just keep going all of your practices the exact same. And if you keep, you buy everything organic and you just double your grocery bills, mm -hmm then, like, everything is better. Mm. But if you... You have to think about what you're consuming in. Right. Because I think that's a big thing often that I come across, uh, is that a lot of people, when you say things like, we need to reform the food systems, the first reaction is, well, that's crazy. That's going to be very expensive, and I don't mm -hmm. want to spend this much money on food. Right. But then you think about things that, you know, 40% of food is wasted, and... Exactly. And that people don't actually cook. Uh, nearly, and, and cooking is so much cheaper. Like, the amount you can make for the same, like, you know, you go shopping once, you can come home with enough food to make yourself dramatically more than what you're going out to eat is. Which makes perfect sense in yeah. every way. There's no reason why it wouldn't. But it's, I think that shift is interesting. And the need for that shift is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's the perspective of, mm -hmm. well, what do you want to spend? Like, there is, we can either have a future that looks like one thing or that we can look like another. And whether or not you go out to one meal, or you cook yourself one meal won't make a difference, but it's a culture of of practices that sort of... So, like, if you go out to a restaurant that doesn't serve organic food or you don't finish <laughs> what's on your plate, it's not like, oh, no, the world is doomed. Mm -hmm. But if you do that all the time, and then you're like, well, fuck that piece of, like, organic meat or cheese or something, I don't want to spend that money, mm -hmm. then, then you... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's considering what else are you doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard, I went to a talk by Fresh, it was moderated by Fresh City Farms, mm. um, I think last week, on Thursday, and there was a farmer there, it was the same, it was a panel of experts, and they, there was a farmer, the Organic Council of Ontario, another farmer, and one worked on local certification, mm. there's Local Food Plus is an organization that does local sustainable food, and you can get certified as a farmer. Mm. Um, put on your product. And then another one was an organic farmer. And so what the what one of the farmers was saying was, he was like, 
to the questions like how are we going to food feed the food system mm. and um why why is organic food so expensive he's yeah. like that's a lot of people are always blaming the farmer like that's a huge weight that you've just put on me mm. he's like and he said the same similar argument as you if you look at all the other areas of the food system and where our food is going and where the costs are mm. that we could eliminate um like all the food that's wasted at the grocery store it's part of why they have to charge so much. That mm-hmm. all the grocery are consolidated means they can charge that much. Like, he's just saying that all of this weight gets put onto the farmer and, and on the specific practice, organic food, local food versus conventional imported, and that the focus doesn't have to be on that. that that's generally where the argument is, but it's also on other issues like food waste and... Cool. I'm going to throw another question at you because I feel like I'm throwing another question at you. And I think uh, this might, I'm, I'm going to guess it's going to have a very similar response to the last couple of questions I've asked here. But uh, if you, if, uh, if you want to, if you're looking into some, like you mentioned the idea of like, if you can, you don't need, or it's less important to buy organic if you are at a farmer's market, because you can actually ask the questions and understand sort of what's going on. Mm-hmm. If you had to eat either something that was organic or something that was local, which way do you go? I would go organic. Really? Yes. Interesting. Why? Because the energy expended in transportation mm-hmm. is only ten percent of the of the thing that of the energy that went into making that carrot, mm-hmm. but the energy went that went into making the chemicals and the fertilizers, and then the application of the fertilizers, and then probably all the things that were sprayed on the carrots once they were harvested. All of that builds up to way more than just the truck it was put on mm-hmm. over here. To bring to bring it over here, right? Then, but I guess what are the chances that people who would say are growing things in that kind of monoculture where everything is sprayed, and everything uh, are then also selling it at a farmers market? Or if they're at a farmers market, is that probably a good indication that they're actually not working on one of those massive farms that actually is doing these sort of things? That they're at a farmers market probably means that they're not. I think it means that they're not at a massive farm, right? But it definitely doesn't mean that they are organic. Right. Or that they follow organic practices, regardless right. of whether or not they're certified. Hmm. Um, like, it's really hard to grow peaches, and it's really hard to grow fruit, certain fruits. Hmm. Hard stone, like peaches, nectarines, plums, apples even. It's really hard to grow in Ontario's climate. Hmm. So you can go to a farmer's market, and chances are those um, those peaches are sprayed. Hmm. If they look good. Right. <laughs> if you want to eat them. <laughs> yeah, if you want to eat them, they're probably sprayed. Unless you get a certified organic one. Or unless you'd ask the questions. Like, right. you can say, do you spray? How often do you spray? Mm. So I, I harvested at school, I harvested at an orchard that sprayed once a month as opposed to four to eight times a month. Mm. So they they had to spray. Mm. Um, sorry, they were, this is apples I'm talking about. Right. But um, they had to spray, but they sprayed like a fraction of what would have been done. Mm by someone who was not paying attention. Right. Or not paying attention to making an effort to right. being more um, sustainable. So it just depends on the questions you ask. And, and you can you can ask these questions. I mean, like, if there's, like, a line of ten people trying to buy a peach and you're like, but what did you do last Tuesday? <laughs> um, they might not appreciate it. But right. if you sort of – I love talking about food farmers – Farmers love talking about food, and they mm-hmm. are at the farmer's market. Chances are they're sending the people who are personable to the farmer's market. Right. It might not even be the <laughs> farmer. If that farmer, like, is a farmer partially because he likes being in solitary on a rural thing and doesn't, you know, like, probably the farmer is not the farmer's market, and <laughs> someone who's a little a little <laughs> more agreeable right. will be there and will be happy to answer <laughs> your questions as long as you make an effort. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but it doesn't, it's not a guarantee of... Anything. Of anything. Okay. But it's, but yeah, it might be more likely, but not, but you mm-hmm. should, but then they're there, you can ask questions. Mm-hmm. And certain farmer's markets are organized by certain groups of people with things in mind. Oh, okay. So, some farmer's markets, I worked at one this summer that they had a size, they had a minimum, they had a maximum size that you could be. Hmm. So, I don't know what it was, but, <laughs> so it excluded huge players mm-hmm. and it made space for the little guys mm. so it's just it takes it's a, it's a lot of homework right. um but it's a couple questions that you can get the answers from mm. cool so there's another thing that's i'm just gonna ask you all the food questions because fuck it we were recently attacked by a farmer for our factory farming video that we made 
because oh, yeah. for many, many reasons. Exactly. And then I just wrote a very long response to it and they never got back to me. Uh, but what was interesting is in writing that response and talking to people about that whole thing was that I was talking to someone about one of the things we talk about is the overuse of antibiotics in, mm-hmm. um, in factory farming practices. And there's, I guess there's a whole thing now about people going antibiotic free. And that's not, now there's like, that's a kind of a, a, maybe a smaller movement in the food in thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole bunch of farmers who I heard discovered who really don't like that because it's like, no, like sometimes antibiotics are actually necessary. Because, like, sometimes cows do get sick. Yeah. And sometimes that is a problem. Yeah, definitely. I certainly have a question there, unless... if unless, Basically, the question is, does all of that make sense? Yeah. And so, in Canada... Mm. So, in, in the States, I don't know their things, but right. in Canada... And I assume it's different, because I learned that Canada is unique for this, is that um, there's, a, there's a time period between... They test all the milk that's mm. sold... Because it's all re- Canada's dairy industry is under quota, right. so it's all regulated. So they test all the milk for antibiotics, and if there are antibiotics, and I mean they go into huge, huge tanks, right. tanker trucks, whatever they're called, I don't know. And if there if there's any antibiotic in one of the cows, all of the milk gets thrown out. So they're quite strict. It doesn't mean that the cows couldn't have been receiving. It just means that there's a time period that they have to remove the antibiotics from their cycle before right. they're milked. Right. Um, so I think in organics, you're allowed to give your, in Canadian organics, you're allowed to give antibiotics to your cow, I think two or three times. Mm. And after that, after that, the cow can't be used for organic dairy Mm. anymore. So there's two sides to it in that cows need antibiotics if they're kept in the, if they're, you have to keep cows differently and maintain them differently if you're going to not give them antibiotics. Mm. You have to keep them in less space, healthier you just keep, take care of their health and prioritize their health as opposed to if you just put them in, it's like kindergarten. Right. <laughs> if you, like, there's a free-for-all of, like, germs and everything, like, um, in factory farming. Mm-hmm. So, but that being said, you can take super good care of your kindergartner mm-hmm. and they still get sick. Right. So, it can go both ways. Right. Um, in Canada, the factory farms are, in Canada, there aren't factory farms. At all? The average herd size is, like, 100, I think. And in Quebec, like, they're tiny. So Is it for dairy for all meat? For dairy. Okay. Sorry. Yes, I should confirm that. So it's for dairy. The, okay. Whereas in the States, it can be, like, thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of cows. Yeah. But in Canada, herds are much smaller. Mm. It doesn't mean that they're still not conventional. Right. Um, but, and they're still not given antibiotics and all those things. Mm. They, they still are. But mm. it's just... They're, the idea of factory farming mm-hmm. is very different in Canada than it is in the States. Okay. And, and, that, and that, the idea of factory farming is being very different in Canada and States is for dairy or for all animals? Not for, just for dairy. Oh, okay. I mean, chickens and, I, I think it's very similar for chickens and pigs and right. all those things. What about beef? Beef, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I never learned about beef. Okay. I never really cared. Right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I asked because I remember, I remember being told there's these, that one of the, there's a problem currently happening in Alberta where I believe there were factory farms of cattle and their big issue was that they had, honestly, they had too much shit. But like there was like, too, right. and, and they put them in these big silos because it was too, there was too much of it, and it was not economically viable to actually truck it somewhere to then put over fields because it was like it was just more expensive to right. truck it than you could sell it for because there's too much of it. Right. So I think there still is for beef, but again, I don't know. I don't know. I know that I know that people put have manure pits, have manure silos right. of any size. My friend mm. has a farm. I think there's 60 dairy cows. They and still that, have a manure silo. Oh really? Yeah. So it's a common. It's. I think it's common. Interesting. I think it depends on your priority. Right. It takes extra labor to to put it over a field. It takes right. extra Fair. consideration. Right. You have to like you can't just. So what do you, what do you do with it if it's in a silo? I I really think you just put it in a. I don't know, but I remember when I was really I remember in like high school reading about factory farming and mm. cows producing methane and it being the bane of our Existence. society, <laughs> but um. And that manure pits, at least, oh my god, like eight years ago, released incredible amounts of methane mm. because of the way, because of the anaerobic activity, because right. there was no oxygen in the system, mm. that it just produced insane amounts of methane and was way worse than, 
another manner of dealing with it. Mm. I don't really know much about how to deal with manure. Right. Shocking. <laughs> I, I came to you for all the knowledge, <laughs> and you don't know how to deal with manure. This is know, this is unacceptable, Maya. I know. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ed, this was excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, do you have any last thoughts? We usually do last thoughts in this sort of last thing. Thought. Yeah, you got anything? Fire out any last thoughts on anything agriculture or anything at all? If you want to just tell us what they should eat, people should eat tomorrow. You can do that, or you can actually give it a thought out in response. But I'm really caught up on how little I know about manure. Um, but does that mean we can have you on later? Tell us all about manure. <laughs> Will you like just go research it in like <laughs> in like a month and a half from now? I'll have you back on and be like, "This is Maya telling everyone about manure." <laughs> Yeah, challenge accepted. Uh, um, you heard it here, folks. It's on the internet now. She can't back down. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of guilt associated with food mm. in our society. If it's what you should or shouldn't be eating in terms of the environment or in terms of your health or in terms of fad diets or, you know, what whatever it is, like whatever, you know, if it should be low carb or low sugar <laughs> or like whatever is the next thing. And that food is something that nourishes your body and it can also nourish your community and your society and it has so much power to do so much good that it's so it's so unfortunate to have so much guilt around it mm. so i think and i i mean i used to do this too i used to get paralyzed in the grocery store trying to like oh my god what do i buy this has <laughs> styrofoam packaging but this comes in plastic and i don't know about these things um it's a lot to know about mm. so i think just trying to do your best, if that means sharing a dinner with your family or with your friends or buying one thing organic that you didn't buy organic last time, just, like, recognizing or just, like, reading a, reading, listening to this or, like, reading something that you haven't read, like, trying to reduce, like, the guilt. Because mm. it's a lot of, it's a lot of guilt that one can carry about <laughs> something that you do probably many, hopefully many times a day. Yeah, yeah hopefully not, yeah, hopefully multiple times a day. Hopefully At least times, twice. Yeah. <laughs> You, know, you sleep in late, maybe you miss <laughs> breakfast, but yeah. twice should be minimum. So it's a lot of guilt to carry around something mm. that isn't something you do once in a blue moon. Right. So um, trying not to live by, you know, rigid, hold yourself up to some angelic standards that no one can really reach is it's not ideal. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is by far the least talking I have done in a, in a podcast. So thank you very much. Which actually, <laughs> the most talking I have done in well, a very long time. Well, there time. we go. Uh, we, we made it work. Um, no, I, I, we, what's funny about this is that, uh, I'm going to say, we, we've been working on trying to find ways to actually sort of like break up the monotony of our own voices, basically. So sort of like we kept thinking, like, <laughs> how else can we get something else done? And this happened to work out great. So thank you very much, Maya. That was fun. Um, we'll have you on again. I hope. I'll come home randomly at 10 o'clock and be like, Ma, you're doing this for me. She's like, oh, I'll just say, okay, and then we'll do it. But this is the, this is Churches with their cover of Arctic Monkeys. And I think it's Don't Wanna Know, but I always forget the actual name of it. So they're just going to play us out and we're going to forget about this whole thing.
simmer down and pucker up I'm sorry to interrupt It's just I'm constantly on the cusp of trying To kiss you And I don't know if you Feel the same as I do Yeah.